So we're in chapter 17 of the book of Luke, and we are going to be looking at verses 11 to 19. I'll read those for us now. On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said to them, Go, and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, Were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. This is God's word. Let's just pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your presence by your Holy Spirit. We thank you for your Son. We pray this morning that you would speak to our hearts, reveal yourself, reveal Jesus. Help us to receive what you want us to receive. Help us to see Jesus as you would want us to see him. In Jesus' name, amen. I encourage you in your living rooms just to pray a prayer that God would uh, uh, speak to you this morning. So we come through these Gospels. We're in this Gospel uh, of Luke. We've been looking at this account of Jesus' life for several months now. And these stories start to become somewhat familiar to us, where Jesus is encountering people and changing lives. Wherever he goes, people come into contact with Jesus, and their lives are changed. Jesus being God incarnate. Jesus who said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. It says in Colossians, he is the image of the invisible God. Jesus Emmanuel, God with us. And so it's wonderful for us to have this gift given to us. This is what it will look like when people come into contact with God. This is what it will look like as people relate to God, as God relates to people, we understand what God is like with people, how he treats down and outers, how he treats lost people, how he treats the brokenhearted, how he treats people that everyone else would despise, how he works healing, how he raises up. Jesus treats people in certain ways that helps us to understand this is what God is like. So we see this, and as we see these little stories going through the Gospels, we understand that actually these little pictures give us an illustration of what the greater thing is that he's about to do. And you see the five, first five words of this uh, passage that I've read. You, you might think that on the way to Jerusalem is just, you know, it's just him, Luke, linking up the last section with the next section. Just saying, okay, now that's finished. Now on the way to Jerusalem, this happens. But actually, it's much more profound than that. Luke is saying something quite profound. He's saying on the way to his destination. Jesus is about a mission. Jesus is on the way to fulfill his mission. He is going towards his destiny, the very culmination of everything that he's been doing. 
And as he brings restoration to people, as he brings new life, as he heals and as he comforts and as he lifts up and as he binds the brokenhearted in these little incidents, little encounters, it's all going towards the greater encounter where he will bring restoration to mankind. The culmination of this mission. And Luke is saying, on the way to Jerusalem, we have another picture. Another wonderful picture of this restoration. You see, this morning's message is called Restored. And we're looking at how Jesus brings restoration. These encounters with people where Jesus brings people back to what they were intended to be. I don't know if you enjoy those TV programs. I really like seeing you know, old antiques restored back to what they were intended to be or, or houses restored that were sort of dilapidated and falling apart and, and restored back to maybe even better than that they once were. There's another type of restoration, isn't there? I've seen shows on, on, online where uh, people go around with metal detectors on beaches and sometimes they might find a really amazing piece of jewellery and they're able to restore it back to its owner. A restoration, people brought back to, sorry, an item brought back to its owner. So Jesus is a God of restoration. We're going to look at how this is a picture of that today. These ten lepers that Jesus encounters, he encounters on the way into the settlement, on their way into the village. Now, they weren't inside the village, they were outside the village. These ten lepers. And it says they stood at a distance. Now we're supposed to take count of that. We're supposed to be aware of what does that mean? They stood at a distance. Well, leprosy, you may wonder, why, why are there so many lepers in the Bible? Why is leprosy everywhere? It seems to be all over the place. Uh, we don't have that today. Well, it's a third world issue. We, we are more uh, advanced in our medicine today. But also, we might have quite a refined definition of leprosy today. And in biblical times, it may have encompassed a lot of skin conditions that would have made people very wary of going anywhere near people. And these people would have been forced to stay outside the camp. Actually, ceremonially, they would have been unclean. In, in uh, Leviticus 13.46, it says, If somebody has leprosy, he shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. These people were forced to stay as aliens, as outsiders. They were rejected. They were cut off. Not welcome. And we see that written here, standing at a distance. This is something of not just a telling us about the scene. This is something of their identity. These people were cut off. They were outside the village. It may well be that inside that village only... Hundreds of yards away were family members of theirs. But they were not permitted to see. It may have even been that they would have to cry out where they walked, unclean, unclean, so that people would know, I shouldn't go that way. Now, a few years ago, this would have been totally foreign to us, but it doesn't sound that far-fetched at the moment, does it? You might walk down the Tesco aisle and see someone without their mask on and think, oh... I'll go down a different aisle. Or, or you might hang out with a friend and think, should I have my mask on now? I'm not quite sure. We want to be courteous. We want to be kind to, to make sure that people aren't feeling uncomfortable. But the difference is that we're all in the same boat. These people were just the few that were alienated and cut off. It was, as I said, part of their very identity. 
I'm cast off. I'm not allowed to come near. That dirtiness, that uncleanness, it would have been wrapped up with shame. The shame of knowing I'm not allowed to be counted in. They had humility forced on them. They were under no illusions to their predicament. They were in need of restoration. So looking at these people, that's our first sort of point to stick on here, is that these are people in need, in need of restoration. They're under no illusion. And they lifted up their voices for mercy, in desperation. And they said three things. They said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Jesus. See, they shouted out the name of the Lord Jesus. They did the right thing. They called on the name above all names, it says in the Bible. Jesus himself who said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. There is one way to the Father. The man, Christ Jesus. Jesus is the name they called out upon. Have you done that? Are you thinking, oh, there's probably loads of ways to know God. Well, there's many ways to heaven. Well, Jesus says, no, there's one way. I am the door. I am the gate. There's only one way. Now, these people's lives were changed as they called on the name of Jesus. I encourage you today, call on the name of Jesus. Whether you know him or you've never met him, call on the name of Jesus. And they didn't say, Jesus, Rabbi. Many people in the Gospels, they say, Jesus, Rabbi, tell me this. And what they're doing is they're asking Jesus to teach them. They're talking to him as a teacher. And what we find, actually, when you see people say, Jesus, Rabbi, they often go away disappointed. They often leave not getting what they wanted. Because as they come to Jesus as Rabbi, what they're really saying is, I hope that you agree with me about something. I want to ask you something, and I hope you're on the same page as me. And when they find out that sometimes he's not, they go away disappointed. And nothing's really changed. But the ones who say, Master, or Lord, you find their lives changed. Because they're not saying, I want you to agree with me. They're saying, I need help. And whatever you can do, I'll agree with you. I'll come under you. I'll come under your authority. Master, Lord. And these lepers have understood something of that. We need help. See, the third thing they say is, have mercy upon us. How many things do you come to God with? How many phrases do you come to God with? How many phrases do we hear said towards God? Because they could have said a lot of things, couldn't they? They could have shook their fists. How could we be in this position? Why are we like this? It's not fair. What have we done to deserve this? We're outside the camp. Come on. Well, they could have said, hey, look what I've done. I'm actually quite impressive. Can I show you about myself? Can you see if I'm good enough? No, they were under no illusion. They looked at themselves and they saw, I need help. I need mercy. You see, they were wise to shout for mercy. 
Their cry was to look for help. Jesus was no un, un, they were aware that Jesus was under no obligation to help them. He was not in any way indebted to them. Just before this section, I haven't read the first 10 verses of the chapter, but Jesus tells a little parable and he, he says, if a servant goes out serving his master all day in the fields and then he comes in, it's not right for him to think, I'll come in and I'll sit at the table with the master. No, the master will say, no, you go and wash up, you get my meal ready, and then afterwards you can sit. And Jesus' point, it sounds quite harsh. You know, he's saying, you, you must understand, you're servants. I'm the master. I'm not under any obligation to help you. And these lepers, they seem to understand. He's not under any obligation to serve us and to help us. Now, when this pandemic started a year ago or so now, many Christians across the nations, myself being one of them, that were and still holding on to an excitement. That, must, that might sound strange, but there's something in experiencing pain and loss and discomfort that can often throw people on looking at themselves, realizing we need help, we need mercy. C.S. Lewis said this, he says, We can ignore even pleasure, but pain insists upon being attended to. God whispers in our pleasures, he speaks in our conscience, but he shouts in our pains. It's his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. These lepers, they were under no illusions. They knew, we're gonna, we're cast out. We're dying. We've got no claim. We just shout for mercy. And they shouted to the right one. They must have heard something about this Jesus. Now, you may have heard something about this Jesus. You may be watching. And you may, if you have your, those moments of honesty with yourself, realize, I'm not what I should be. I need help. We look at our nations and we look at the desperation for politics to give us answers and education to give us answers and medicine to give us the answers we're looking for. We know we're in need. We must call on the name of Jesus with nothing more than give us mercy. Give us mercy. Because God is a God who delights to give mercy. Delights to give hope as we've heard already this morning. Secondly, I want to look at the mode of restoration. What is the mode of restoration that, that we see worked out here? Because they ask for mercy, and Jesus' answer is, go and show yourself to the priests. Now that may say, sound very strange. It was within keeping with, again, with Leviticus, which talks about what somebody should do if they, wanted to be, if they were cleansed of uh, leprosy or disease. These people that were cut off on the outside, if they're cleansed, they, they, they have to show themselves to the priests who would go through a ritual that would then bring them back in to community. Now, Jesus knew this. It may well be that those listening knew this. It may be they didn't know this. But either way, they were not healed when he said this. They were not cleansed. They could have easily said, what do you mean, go and show ourselves to the priests? Look at us. We can't. 
But isn't it interesting to see that it says, as they went, they were cleansed. As they went. See, the mode of restoration that God has required of us is faith. It's that we trust him. And not that we trust him just in, uh, just in theory. We think, yeah, I know about God. I've read the Bible and I know theology. But faith is in the doing. You see, just again, just in the verses 5 and 6 before we got to this, if you've got your Bible open, you see the disciples, they asked Jesus, help us in our faith. Give us more faith. And Jesus makes the point of saying, it's not so much about how much faith you have. See, if you had the faith of a mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry bush, get up and go and plant yourself in the sea, and it would do what, you're, what it's told. And the point isn't to go, yes, I've always wanted to move mulberry bushes. <laughs> the point is this, it, it's, it's in the doing that God will show himself faithful. Not so much about how much faith you've got, but have you got faith that is active? As they went... They were cleansed. This is consistent throughout the Bible as Jesus or God spoke to Abraham, said, You'll be father of nations. No, no, look at me. I'm a man in my 90s and my wife is barren. But it says, Abraham believed and God counted to him as righteousness. Noah, build an ark. I live in the middle of the desert. Build an ark. And he obeyed. This is faith. Moses, go and tell Pharaoh to let my people go. I can't even speak. Go. And in his going, God was faithful. The Israelites passed through the Red Sea on dry land by faith. They must have been terrified, but God is with us. And as they went, God was faithful. We see this throughout Jesus' life. The men at Cana who Jesus said, put water into those wine jars. What, we need wine. Put water in. And as they obeyed, Jesus was faithful. His mother said to them, do what he tells you to do. Peter, the fisherman, listens to this rabbi teacher after having a fruitless night on the, on the lake. He says to him, go and fish on that side. I've been out all night, but because you say so. The disciples bring five loaves and two fishes, this tiny lunchbox, as we call it, to, to Jesus as 5,000 hungry men look on. This is pathetic. This is embarrassing. But give it to Jesus. And it's in the action that God shows himself faithful. How's your faith doing are you somebody who sits statically with faith? Sort of saying, yeah, I believe this, I believe that. Or are you somebody who says, no, I believe, and so I do this. I believe, and so I, I stop doing that. I trust him, and so I, I'm going to do what he's called me to do in this area. Faith is in the doing. And as they went, isn't that incredible? Imagine as you walk away, okay, we'll do. And then you see, wow, what is this? Faith requires action. Next thing I want to look at is, is that one of them, I would say, is fully restored. 
That's the next point, fully restored. You see, it's possible that you can have faith in the supernatural even without having saving faith. Without having faith where you say, I've put my trust in Jesus for my redemption, for my recovery, for my restoration. You can receive blessing from Jesus without even having saving faith. The the sorry picture here, the sad picture, is that nine out of the ten of these people, they got what they wanted from Jesus and they wanted nothing more to do with him. They went on their way, cleansed, and they were restored to community, but only one was restored to God. Ten were restored to community, but one was restored to God. One of them turned back. Now, if you know anything about the word, you'll know that the word repentance means to turn. One of them turned. One of them turned back to Jesus. One of them wasn't content with just this, well, I got what I wanted, I got what I needed, I I got healed. No, one of them said, I've got to know him. I've got to go back to him. And he turned back. And I love this because it says, with a loud voice in praise. Now, only a few minutes ago, it was a loud voice in desperation. Loud voice of mercy. And now it's a loud voice in, woohoo! Look at this. You're amazing. Thank you. I, I love you. He fell on his face. And sometimes we think of falling on your face as, as groveling. I'm groveling. He wasn't groveling. He fell on his face in awe and wonder, knowing, this is, you deserve my thanks. You deserve my praise. He praised God. You're a person of thanks. You're a Christian who is grateful for this restoration that God has at work in your heart. As I said before, restoration of, make, as we sang, making things new, but also There's another restoration, the restoration of restoring you back in relationship to the Father. It's something that that hit me when I was reading this. I thought, do you know what? We could easily miss this. This leper is, is saying thanks, but he's actually doing something that was impossible 10 minutes ago. Because he was standing at a distance 10 minutes ago. He wasn't allowed to draw near. But Jesus has done a work on him that means... I can come right to the feet of Jesus. I can fall on my face right at Jesus' feet. I, was, I had to stay meters away from anyone a few minutes ago. But he turned back recognizing not only is this just flooding out of him, but he gets to do something that was impossible. Do you understand, Christian, that you are able to do what was impossible? It says in Ephesians 2, Remember, That you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope. Having no hope. Do you you understand that? No claim. You couldn't say, God, you owe me. I've done this, this, and this. No, no hope. Dead in trespasses and sins and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. This man is 
doing something that was literally impossible in two ways. He was a leper, wasn't allowed near, ceremonially unclean. And now he's also allowed to come near to the very feet of God, restored. Restored back to God. G.K. Chesterton says this, I would maintain that thanks are the highest form of thought and that gratitude is happiness doubled by wonder. Are you happy? Are you more than happy? Are you grateful? Do you overflow with thanks because of the wonder of what has happened in your life if you're a believer? If you're a believer in Jesus, you've been restored to this relationship that was cut off. You were once alienated. You were once cast, cast away. And now because of Christ and his work, you are able to draw near again. He was still on his face, but it wasn't groveling. It was in response. And see, Jesus didn't say embarrassed, get up, get up, come on, it's not that big a deal. No, Jesus knew, I, I'm Lord of all. It's right for you to worship me. Didn't correct him. He let him take that stance. And then after asking him a question, where are the other nine? He says this, rise. Rise. See, God's work of restoration in a believer is not just so, okay, so, so now understand, now you, you used to have this master of sin, now you've got this, I'm your master, now do as you're told. No, he's, he's a God who brings those who were low high. Rise to new life. As we sang, and Jesus says in Revelation, I'm making all things new. He's restoring the world back to God, the Father. Rise. Are you a Christian who knows, I'm not someone who has to grovel. I'm not someone who, who has to watch my step and tread on eggshells. He's called me to rise. To stand in the righteousness that he has called me to live in. Because finally, I want to just quickly look at the cost of restoration. The cost of restoration. In Leviticus, I told you that it talks about how the, uh, the lepers would be cast out. They'd have to stay outside the camp. But it also says what happens, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, if someone is, is cleansed, they must show themselves to the priest. And then there's a ritual. There's something that the priest does. And right back in Leviticus, in the third book of the Bible, there's this picture. I mean, there's pictures before that, but there's this picture of what is the cost of restoration. Because if a leper came in, the, the, the priest would look them over, and they'd have to shave all their hair off, even their eyebrows, just to check, are there any... It can, is, have you still got this disease somewhere? Is it hiding anywhere? And once they would see there's this cleansing going on, they would take two birds. They have to take two birds. And one of them they would kill and sacrifice. And the other bird they would have to take. And with a piece of wood and a crimson string or thread, which is interesting, they would dip one, the living bird, in the blood of the dead bird. And then the living bird could fly. And the dead bird's blood would be sprinkled on the previous leper who was now cleansed. 
You see, for us to be restored, blood had to be spilled. And blood had to be spilled because a price had to be paid for the disease of sin that we are caught up in, for the disease and the the decisions that we've made to turn away from God, the the disease that we were born into in Adam. Blood had to be spilled. And this beautiful picture is that these two birds were held. But if one of them was dipped in the blood of the other one, it could go free. See, Jesus, his mission on his way to Jerusalem was so that one day he would be nailed to this tree, this piece of wood, so that this crimson thread of blood would be spilled for our sake so that we could be restored fully. There's no price to be paid anymore. Restored is like the gavel has gone down. It is finished, Jesus said at the cross. It's dealt with. You have been restored. So if you're in Christ today, there's no question anymore. It's not not given to you to say, I'm not sure if that was enough or not. You're not the judge. The gavel has gone down, restored, dealt with. So as we heard Joel say this morning, encouraging, if you've just got distance between you and God, and you know maybe it's a distance of I've drifted, and I'm not close to God, then he's made a way for you to come and draw near to him again. Don't be at a distance. Don't question the work that he's done. But there may be some of you watching and say, I've I've never known closeness. I've never known him. I didn't know I could. I didn't understand this before. Then today, you can know this. The work has been done. The price has been paid. The response from you can be to walk into salvation. There's no earning of salvation by you. Because there was one who earned it for you. The price was paid with the blood of Jesus. I'll read from Ephesians 2 again. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ. Alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So to finish today, we're going we're gonna to sing a song about the cross. And I want us to stand in this salvation. Rise, Jesus said to the leper. Rise, rise, redeemed, reinstated, rescued and victorious. Don't cower, don't stand at a distance any longer. There's no condemnation for those in Christ. Stand free from shame, free from guilt. Kill the sin that once would have mastered you. Rise. Jesus has made you well. He's restored you. He's brought you near. Fall at his feet. You are welcomed to praise him. You are welcome to thank him. Let's thank him together for this wonderful salvation. He's brought us near.